Dog Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. It is coming to the end of the year. It is coming to the end of the quarter. And mm-hmm. that means we need to start thinking about auditing our finances, making sure that the books are closed on this year. I don't know about you, but I'm not great at tracking all of my expenses. Do you keep like receipts in a shoebox? How do you track all of your expenses? Well, I guess it really depends on what I'm expensing, but um well let's say like one of fake the, safety business expenses yeah so let's say if i was tracking fuel i tend to get fuel at one particular station on one particular card so it makes it easy for me to track that you know but some of the other things like uh paper clips i don't really keep track of that kind of stuff like i should Interesting. So it's because the paper clips are insignificant in cost. Is that what you think? Yeah. Yeah. That, and, um, I use technology to track. So, uh, the technology that allows me to be lazy and I haven't come up with a good paper clip technology that allows me to be lazy in the tracking of it. So, no, I don't do the receipts. There are so many apps out there, though, that are just like, all you got to do is snap a picture of it, and it auto like will fill out um, a spreadsheet for you. You know what I mean? It takes the information and fills out the spreadsheet and keeps track of it. And I've used them for work. I've used them in businesses that I've ran for people, but no, in my personal life, I don't. I don't keep track of it like I should. Well, I wouldn't expect you to track it in your personal life. And to your point about paper clips, I wouldn't expect you to track individual clips so much as tracking, well, I've spent this much on paper clips on a quarterly or annual basis. Mm-hmm. Um, one particular organization that has recently come in the news for failing to do this is the Pentagon. So the DOD recently came out saying that they had failed their audit for the fifth year in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you a sense of scale here, they have just in assets alone, we're talking maybe three and a half trillion dollars worth. And of that, they cannot account for 39% of it. So a good one and a half trillion dollars. So for all the people who try to talk about billions, you know, that they say billionaires should not exist. I know that's a, that's a popular phrase these days with Elon Musk doing what he's doing. Jeff Bezos, on the other hand, not doing so much. 
I find that interesting. I find the lack of news coverage fascinating. <laughs> so we should probably see where Jeff is because I wonder if he's like Richard Simmons and like his assistant has him cooped up in his house or something. Has anyone checked mm. on Jeff Bezos? Oh, no. I haven't seen him. He hasn't been outside walking his dog or anything. He lives yeah, next to me, to... by the way. I'm, I'm filthy rich. <laughs> he lives in the little house on the street. Do you think he participates in his HOA? <laughs> Do I think? Um, yeah, I would say he is an HOA, most likely. Uh, he just probably just buys the property around his property. I mean, I'm Either sure way. he's not doing the McAfee thing because people would be talking about it. Yeah, yeah. But either way, um, all of these hated billionaires, your your Jeffs, your Elons, these are guys who are filthy rich, right? Stinking. Not just, Not just, you know, a few billion multiple billions such that paying you know 30 40 bill for twitter is no big deal so if you're like a jeff is is it bezos or bezos or beshua <laughs> or bozana uh, i like the be bezos because uh the obvious reasons anyway um what do if, i do if, if i'm like, him so if you're like them that are worth, let's say, a couple hundred bill, they're like deep, deep into that space, right? Okay. We talk about how that's filthy rich because there's like millionaires. Oh, and then there are billionaires. These guys are worth, you know, a couple hundred billion. Well, the amount of money that the Pentagon has misplaced and cannot account for one and a half trillion dollars. That is like $1.3 trillion more than those guys are worth. Right. So to your point, when they say, how are we gonna, you know, equal or feed the hungry or feed the homeless or get people houses, you go, well, you know that money that you just kind of lost under the couch? Why don't you just give that to them? I mean, obviously you and I know that's not going to solve the problem, but that's what they say to the, to that's what they tell us that we should do to the billionaires. It's not as much money. If you, you, right. if you took they, all their money, yeah, yeah, and and I, I I recall a an internet conversation with the the masses saying to Elon it would cost you know sixty something billion to eradicate hunger or actually was it eradicate hunger or homelessness or one of the sort of major. I think it was hunger. World hunger. Yeah. Yeah, they said world hunger, they can fix it in 
60 billion or something. And I think his response was, okay, show me how. And while I'm sure a handful of folks have put together some kind of plan, uh, all of that stuff quickly falls apart because it's a one-time solution and doesn't actually fix the ongoing. Yeah, we all want a $60 billion donation to whatever nonprofit we we own, right? Sure, sure. And (laughs) and I'm also not going to sit here and say that $60 billion wouldn't go a long way toward fixing that problem with the right intent and the right nonprofits. I think that's what those things are set up to do. That said, if we believe that, I'm not going to fall for that. I mean, I, I think it'd be dumb to fall for that. If you think just any business, especially one that's based on donations so that they really don't have anything they're selling. So they have to hype up whatever the problem is they're trying to solve, which it's fine. That's business, right? And then you have to find some sort of popularity struggle and capitalize on it to get the big donations towards you. And that's what they were doing. But I'm not going to fall for it. You know, (laughs) I'm not. Some of you might. Jeff, obviously, well, not Jeff. Who who did it? Elon. Elon. Yeah, he didn't fall for it, right? So he called him out on it. Well, I I would think it it interesting if they were to say yes, this will eradicate that, and we will then disband our organization, or or even just acknowledge that they would need to pivot. Just the idea that if you are responsible for trying to end world hunger and then world hunger is resolved, then what does your organization do? Just even it's called it's called doing un. You do a UN. They were world they were created to uh to stop the spread of communism in the Soviet Union. And when the risk during the Cold War, when the the risk of the Soviet Union was gone, you just got to pivot. You got to maybe stir up a war somewhere else to be scared of or leak some nuclear information to somebody so they got it or whatever. Vietnam. To be as generous as possible, we could say that a, a good nonprofit who is dedicated to ending world hunger could say, yes, it will cost $60 billion to do it. If you give us that $60 billion, we will allocate that appropriately and then work on food quality across the globe, right? You can always make something better. So in some sense, they could still exist. They would just have a new mission and uh, a noble yeah. one. But that kind of misses the point here, which is, Let's say somewhere in that range is what everyone claims it would cost to solve all these problems globally. Now, we're talking about world hunger. We're not talking about U.S. hunger. We're talking right. about global problems that are priced are act- somewhere in the yeah. tens of billions. Yeah. Now, that 
is something that these billionaires could do because it's only a, you know, it's less than half of their net worth. Now, these billionaires' net worth is still $1.23 trillion less than the Pentagon has misplaced. Right. So with that scale, we clearly have some issues with accounting. And I don't mean the kind of accounting error that you can dismiss by Paperclips or Superman 3. How does all this tie in to our system of money? Because while that is all but ignored by Mm -hmm. the public, we can't stop talking about FTX and crypto and how it's failing. But But is it it really? See, um, to that point, I don't think that crypto is failing. I think crypto is doing exactly what it is meant to do. And that is to, to weed out the fraudulent banks. Uh, just like, uh, the reason why before the national bank, uh, all the banks that would lend out way more than they had, they would get a bank run and they would go under, right? So it was, it it taught banks a lesson. If you need, if you want to stick around, you can't get greedy, you know? Um, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, so of course there's always new banks that come up and they get greedy and, but they get taught a lesson until you become the printing press till you have federal government saying, okay, well, we'll devalue the dollar to gold. Go ahead and print some up. Right. Or we'll just completely decouple the dollar from gold print as much as you want. Let's get them interest rates down. Because how do you get interest rates down? Everybody talks about, oh, we should have lower interest rate. Even Mr. Musk, of course he's going to say that, even if he knows it's wrong, because he's a billionaire doing billionaire company stuff. They do loans all the time. It's better for him to have low interest rates. He's working off of debt constantly. But is it in our best interest to have low interest rates? No, not if you're a person who makes money, saving, wants to save or whatever. It's definitely not in your best interest. Only if you're going into debt or you want to be incentivized to be in debt. Is it well, in your in the in the technology sector, that's obviously a big part of it, right? When we're talking about Silicon Valley, when we're talking about tech, when we're talking about venture capital, the way that venture capital is able to give all these companies all this liquidity is because Mm -hmm. they're able to loan it out for essentially nothing. Mm -hmm. That's why there's malinvestment everywhere. So what's happening is the dollar that's made the dollar that's produced, the dollar that's actually produced a product for the future for a person is devalued by that printed dollar. It has no value. The only value it gets is the value that it sucks out of your wallet. 
that you already have. So that's what gives that money the value. That is inflation. Printing the simple, what, what the economist will try to spin inflation to be is prices going up. But that's not necessarily true. Cost doesn't necessarily go up with inflation because if productivity out outdoes the inflation of the money supply, you might still have prices going down while still having inflation. Because inflation is the money supply going up. It's because if it wasn't going up, the prices would be dropping faster, meaning the dollars out there were worth more. Not that you would be broke because prices are dropping. It would mean the dollars that you get are worth that much more. So what they'll do is they, they try to manipulate what inflation really is. That's why they're like, oh, we should have 2% inflation. And you're like, dude, we've got like way more than 2%. But they're saying, oh, the prices have to go up 2%, which isn't inflation. That is not the definition of inflation. That is their spin to try to manipulate people into not seeing what's happening here. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, what folks would commonly see in their wages or benefits or plans as cost of living increases. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing I see, though, is that in the crypto space, when we see something structured exactly the same way as our banks, it fails immediately. So what we saw with this FTX fiasco is essentially fractional reserve banking. We saw exactly what we see with our banks, which is, like you said, folks getting greedy. We didn't call it greedy. We just called it leveraged. But the fact of the matter is that it's the same in that they loan out significantly more than they actually have under management. Mm -hmm. And that means when anyone comes back to said bank and says, well, I want to get this out here. Well, the bank fails because they don't have that. Right. So the failure of crypto, what people would claim is the failure of crypto is the, is not the failure of crypto. It, it, that's crypto winning. That's the point. That, that was, that was the whole point is that you can't, it is well at the moment too hard for, to be manipulated into, you know, the, the crap that we have for like the U S dollar that it wasn't the U S dollar that it, what was so amazing about the crypto coming up this, this way. And thank God we got to see it was, you know, in Austrian economics, you learn that, um, a money has to have intrinsic value to begin with. Right. So like gold, it was believed that gold, you know, because it was used in things. And so 
he already had some value. And then, so people kind of piggybacked upon that. And then the scarcity of it and people wanting it because it's easy to use for money. So gold just became the thing, right? The value, a lot of people couldn't figure it out with crypto, but later, you know, talking about it, thinking the, the whole ideas of it, a lot of people came to understand that the, the intrinsic value of crypto is was its scarcity, was the fact that it couldn't be manipulated, that, or at least at the time, and at, at, right now, it's, it, at least some cryptos cannot be manipulated, have not successfully been manipulated. And that was its value. That was what it brought to the table that no other currency had. So, so its value was created by all the other currencies sucking. Which is you, incredible you raise a good point. to me. You raise a good point that that manipulation that takes place doesn't actually create more currency. Yes, it does when we're talking about inflation, but in the regular day-to-day -day manipulation, it's not so much more currency as it is derivatives of said currency but mm -hmm. you can't actually do that when there is a blockchain involved because the coin the currency the whatever it is on the ledger that you are to have it needs to exist and it can't exist in two places right so if you were to say remove inflation from the mix and say the job of the mint is to print dollars to replace ones that come out of circulation and the job of the fed and all of that is to keep the number of dollars constant in that scenario, it seems like it would be the same as crypto in the sense that the currency isn't so much the issue as it is the derivatives and instruments used on top of it to artificially inflate and manipulate the currency. Fractional reserve, fractional reserve banking. I mean, there were so many schemes throughout uh, the United States bank, uh, the history of United States banking. And one of the cool things about it is, uh, I'm going to have to refresh and myself on this book, but, um, there was one point when we didn't have in between two of our national banks that we had, um, where a private company, a private bank became the solution. So much like a UR label, right? Uh, is very trusted with electronics. It became kind of that, like a bank would have a label next to their name, basically saying, oh, we're backed by this. And they were required to keep, uh, to, to be a part of this and have that label on them, they had to keep a percentage of their 
their money with this bank. And if there was any um, short changing because you were, you know, manipulating currency or whatever, the gold would come. The, you could appeal it and this bank would make it right with the customer and of course pull their label and which in turn would make some people run you know make a bank run on them you know so and it it was very successful and in fact they they had to to beat it they ended up passing laws against it and manipulating you know who can have what currency where and through through government banking and eventually causing this bank to get in bed with the government because it's all they were going to lose. And then the government, you know, kind of asked them to loan government money and they just went right into the um, fractional reserve lending uh, to state governments and ended up going under themselves. But my point stands is like, before the government manipulation in this unstable market that we had to create a government uh, national bank for, there was a private solution that was working very well until the government came in and screwed it up. And I mean, probably on purpose, I would say to, because they want it to be unstable. That's what, that's why people will vote for, you know, won't, um, won't throw a fit over a national bank. So, but let's, let's go with the more generous interpretation that it wasn't intentional for them to make it a, a public institution instead of private. Let's just say they feel more comfortable and more confident in the, public solution what is inherently so bad about like an fdic or an ncua where your funds are guaranteed because that fdic insurance that label on any bank now does guarantee any individual against the fallback of those things so even if those banks do overextend or come to a place where they come up short, the FDIC does insure that amount. So, right. but what happens is they they insure that, and then they keep their backing. So that's the difference. We like a private company not going to do that in in keep and let them keep the label why because that would be stupid they would go under if they continued to let a bad actor bank screw people over and then they had to fix it but the bottom line on that is that the bank can't screw people over because the fdic will come and make it right so effectively the bank isn't hurting anybody are they but well yeah because they by printing money and giving it to the person who is owed, you've printed money that doesn't exist and given it out. 
which makes every dollar everybody's got in their wallet, in their bank, worth that much less. That's why, I mean, it's the same exact, it's the same exact uh, argument they say why, you know, George Floyd shouldn't have been printing counter or buying stuff with counterfeit dollars. Why is, why is buying stuff with a counterfeit dollar illegal? Why? It's the exact same thing that all the banks do. It's the exact same thing that the Federal Reserve does. And it's Again, supposedly so, good. It's good for the economy. I mean, when when they want to print money, when the economy's going bad, they say that printing money and giving it out will help. They always say that. It will bail them out. Bail it out. Oh, bail them out. That's why they call bail them Uncle George. Right. So if it helps, then why don't they just let us print it at the house? So going back to that initial thought experiment, the idea of, okay, if they stop with the inflation and there's a consistent amount of dollars in the system and they regulate that amount and they just sort of keep a consistent amount, we're okay. But it seems like that can't be true if the FDIC is continuing to insure against these bad actors because that money has to come from somewhere and that's being printed. So if we go even further back to the FTX mm -hmm. system, the reason why that could not succeed in the same way is that when they were overextended, nobody the, could bail them out. The bodies that would insure them could not insure them because that currency is actually finite. Right. So therefore they cannot just continue to get rich off of the sweat and blood of everybody out there working hard for their money. Yes. People lost money. Absolutely. That was awful, but that's on them. That's on that's between them and FDX. That is not the responsibility of every hardworking person out there. So I'm not saying that it's not a awful thing, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be some repercussions for it. But you know what's happened to Mr. What's that guy's name anyway? Screech. I just call him Screech. He looks like Screech from Saved by the Bell. So that, that's what we'll call him. So Screech is up there. He's giving speeches now, and he's not in trouble. He's doing whatever he wants to do because he's in. He's, he did exactly what he's supposed to do. He's in with the people who want to own all currencies. The cool thing is, is they didn't get this one, and they tried really hard. And if there's anything to say about crypto is I believe in it more now than I did before this. 